Kitchen Radio each Friday at 5pm. That was To Have or To Be by Miss Levitz from the album Happiness Is Easy. My name is Rita Catoni and you are listening to Kitchen Radio on 8CCC 102.1 FM in Alice Springs and in Tennant Creek. Or you might be listening to this as a podcast. Now a couple of weeks ago, Joanna Henricks invited me over to her place one afternoon to talk about Polish cooking and to get a lesson on how to cook pierogi. Um, as I was editing the show this week, I was so inspired listening to the recipe and it was such a wet week and I needed a lot of comfort that I cooked pierogi quite a few times and it's not that hard, so please don't be daunted. So here is tonight's episode of Kitchen Radio, Cooking Pierogi and Polish Cuisine with Joanna Henricks. So, get up here with Joanna and we're making... We're making pierogi. We're making four different types of pierogi. Okay, and what are pierogi? So pierogi are just the Polish word for dumplings. So they're a very uh, common and very favourite food in Poland. Yeah. In fact, I was I was in Poland for like two days, and someone said to me, you know, the one thing you have to eat when you're in Poland is pierogi. So I remember going from like restaurant to restaurant in Gdansk until I found one that was uh, still open and was selling pierogi. Oh. It was great. Yeah. Do you remember what they was in them? I, pretty sure it was maybe a potato one oh, and then okay. served with sour cream yeah mm. okay yeah my favorite is the which we're making today is the um pierogi ruskie which is the word translates as russian but it's actually uh means it's from the ruthania which was uh, the southern part of poland okay so not the russian not the part of poland that's borders Russia then? No, it's actually, well, it's actually, I, I made a mistake, sorry, it's actually from the part, it's actually from, um, it's now part of Ukraine. Okay, yeah, yeah. because Poland actually borders, what, Lithuania, Czechoslovakia, Germany, Russia, Ukraine, is that right? I think that's, I and think the Baltic that's Sea. It. And the Baltic Sea, yeah. yeah, it's got quite, it's quite landlocked, except for the top strip along the Baltic Sea. Yeah. Okay, so we're cooking pierogi. Yeah. So, so what have you got there at the moment? What I've got here, so would you like me to go through the fillings? Yes. Uh, can we go through maybe the pastry first yeah. and then we go through the filling? That would make sense. So I've just got a pastry which is flour. I'm using bread flour and olive oil and water. Okay, and you've got type 00 flour because it's higher in protein with it's got more gluten is that right is that yes what you're looking for? so yeah. i was hoping to that yes so i was experimenting to see and i'm hoping it's going to work so i tend to make these about once a year on uh Chris, for christmas eve so <laughs> this is quite kind of a lovely treat to make them outside of that time and how long ago did you make that dough uh, about an hour ago so i just let it rest with a, uh, a, t a wet tea towel over it. Mm -hmm. Is that traditionally what you would put in a dough or are there other variations to a dough? Well, interestingly, I was talking to my mum about this last night and she grew up using butter. So traditionally, it was I think the common one was butter instead of olive oil. But recently, a lot of Polish cookbooks talk about using egg as the wet binding agent. So I haven't I haven't tried that myself but that would make it almost identical to a pasta dough then yes yes and some people say that's the influence of Italian cooking on Polish cuisine because pierogi is not unlike a, a ravioli or an agnoletti absolutely so I think the only difference really with the pierogi is the regional difference is the uh, is the fillings but other than that I'm not quite sure what the differences would be. Are they always half moons? I've only seen them as half moons. The only other one we do is um, called Little Ears and I'm using the filling for Little Ears today which is sauerkraut, onions and mushrooms and you make, they're called Little Ears because they're sort of like a mini, they look like a mini ear and you you have them traditionally on Christmas Eve 
So Christmas Eve you have 12 dishes signifying the 12 Jesus' 12 apostles and one of them is always a red beetroot soup, a clear beetroot soup with these little ears, these little dumplings with, so they're sort of, yeah, mini pierogi but they're called little ears. Oh wow, and do you still, uh, you still celebrate a traditional Polish Christmas? Yeah, I try to every year, even though it's not necessarily with my family, but whoever is around. So I have had, you know, friends from Alice come and it's, it's a, yeah, it's a lot of cooking. It's usually, <laughs> usually a week of cooking prior to that. They often get a, a bit of a shock because there's this, if they haven't been before, because there's a, uh, a ritual that you do prior to starting the meal, which is you get some holy wafer from a, a priest because Poland's largely Catholic country. It's still around 95% Catholic, I think. And you break it. Everyone has a piece of this wafer and you go around and individually and you break some off somebody else's and you wish them blessings or whatever you want to wish them for the year ahead and they take some of yours and do the same and you do that individually with everybody and then after you do that you can then use, there's a prayer and then you eat wow so it's like a an interpretation of a holy communion yes yeah and it's sort of um it's a really lovely way of acknowledging your wishes for that person so it's you know always personalized about you know what you hope what your wishes and hopes are for them for the year and do you get a, a holy host as well i do i have a uh, you can get them in australia at polish churches but i get it from um i have a very dear friend in, who sends it to me from poland <laughs> do you have to go and get it um blessed yeah, by, by a well, local it's priest. Blessed when, oh, okay. When, it, when she gets it blessed and posts it to me. Oh, okay. Oh. So it's blessed in Poland. That's very funny. <laughs> yeah, blessed in Poland and travels across the sea. Okay, so you're rolling that dough out. Oh, how thin does it need well, to be? Well, I would like to. I would like to sound very smart and know how thin it is, but I never know, and I always just play with it. So I'm just going to get a little cup and and try one. So I've got an upturned glass and I'm punching out a hole. It's about five centimetres or a bit smaller. Yeah. yeah. And, the, oh, the, and you roll it out again to the right size. And then you roll it to make it thinner. And thinner, okay. So it's a pity you've got your hands full, Rita, because I'd be getting you to. <laughs> You're the, uh, actually, this is your area of expertise. Oh, I love getting my hands in dough. Yes. So that looks about right. Okay. And it's, and it's also like it's quite thin and you can sort of as you put it up to the air it's interesting you can just sort of see like if you put your fingers behind yeah. it you can definitely see your fingers behind it so, so you're trying to get it a particular sort of thickness and thinness so that it obviously doesn't fall apart when they boil yeah so thick enough so it doesn't fall apart but not that thick so all you can taste is the dough mm. can you tell me about being polish in australia yeah, so I was I was born in Australia. Both my parents were of Polish descent. They met when they were here as young adults and got uh, got married in their early twenties. But they both had different stories. So Mum came out to Australia after the death of Stalin made that possible. She was around fourteen. It was in the mid fifties. But my father came out a lot earlier. He came out after the Second World War as a very young boy part of the displaced persons scheme so as a, a as a refugee with his family so uh, I grew up speaking Polish was my first language and I certainly didn't appreciate it as a child and certainly as a teenager I really rebelled against it uh, I could not see the point of it but later on I I have sort of grown to really appreciate it <laughs> okay can we go through the fillings sure so the first one I've got here is the it's the one that's traditionally used on Christmas Eve in the beetroot soup and it's a combination of sauerkraut, mushrooms and fried onion. Okay, so you've you've fried the onion and then added mushrooms and cooked the mushrooms? Yes, so I had I had rehydrated some shiitake mushrooms. I would have preferred to use 
other types of mushrooms that I wasn't able to get. Um, and so what would you traditionally use if you don't? Maybe like a porcini with quite a strong flavour. Yeah, it's actually really hard to get porcini mushrooms here. Yeah. I do I do buy them when I'm interstate, but alas, I'm not interstate yeah. very much. <laughs> and certainly not at the moment. No. And so, and the sauerkraut, is that your own homemade This sauerkraut? one's not because I do have a, a vat of sauerkraut on the go, on the edge of the table there. In the jar but I prefer the the one that you get in the jars um, it's easier to work with mm -hmm, okay yeah. so obviously I think traditionally people would not have been using shop-bought sauerkraut is there anyone you you do buy like do you buy the one in the bottle not the tinned one um, I buy the one in the glass bottle but I do sort of I vary them because I can never find one that I really like and every time I see a new one I try it and hoping it's going to be fabulous but they're always fairly average aren't they yeah. yeah there's a lot of dough here and there's a I've got a lot of fillings so I'm not quite sure how it's gonna how it's all gonna work but I'm sure it will somehow can you tell me about your interest in food where that came from yeah so I remember as a young child my mother was always a fabulous cook but as a young child, we would spend our uh, school holidays with our grandparents because my parents were both working. And so we'd spend one week with one set of grandparents and that particular grandmother was a terrific cook and would have the traditional meal every day. So in Poland, you have your main meal in the middle of the day, about one o'clock, and uh, she would cook like a three-course meal every day. But she was a, she's a meticulous perfectionist cook. And it was, she was quite amazing, but it was quite intimidating for a child who could never cut as perfectly as she did. So I didn't do a lot of cooking around her place. But with our other grandmother, she was a lot more relaxed with children in the kitchen. And so I had the opportunity to do a lot of baking of cakes and playing in the kitchen. And it, you know, it didn't matter if I didn't get it right. She was always very supportive of that. So I didn't really do much around that until preteen years and then not until I left home when I realised I had to learn how to cook. <laughs> did your meticulous grandmother, did she inspire you? In hindsight she has. So now I think back to the way she cooked and some of the dishes that she cooked and I have some of her handwritten recipes and it was my mum's mum so I will ring mum and ask her for... Uh, information as well and I certainly appreciate her much more in hindsight than I did at the time I think at the time I just felt she was a perfectionist and I'm certainly a lot more organic in the way I approach food so it didn't you know that wasn't a good marriage <laughs> a match at all can you tell me a little bit about when you were also like living in Poland and cooking there yeah so in the late well, it was probably the mid-80s, about 84, 85. I was lucky enough to get a scholarship to go back to Poland and study Polish language, history and culture. And I spent two years in uh, the beautiful city of Kraków and made some sort of lifelong friends there. We were living in student dorms and there was quite a large international group of us. And, yeah, it was an interesting time because I think my interest in food was also rekindled at that time because you couldn't supermarkets had no food in them you couldn't it was still it was pre the fall of the berlin wall there was still communist government there was no food in the shops most food was sold on the black market um, and it was obviously seasonal what was seasonal and what was fresh so i would do things like try and make fried rice with polish sausage using just whatever ingredients were around and my fellow students used to really enjoy it so that was quite fun. So you're rolling each one out a little bit more? I'm trying to roll them out to make them thinner and I can yeah. see that I'm having success with some and not so much <laughs> with others. Do you find the dryness here have to be careful that they don't dry out too quickly? Or yes it, yeah. and in fact that's a really good point so what I'm doing probably isn't a great idea because I probably should be filling them and putting them aside but yeah. I'll just work through these ones and see how it goes. For the Polish cook what are the things that they would have in their in their pantry? 
expanded ingredients? Well, if you're a meat eater, there'd always be Polish sausage, some form of Polish sausage, depending upon you know the region and what you've grown up with. So there are different forms of sort of smoked and preserved meats in different regions. But what they have in common is lots and lots of garlic. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> Very garlicky. So whenever I bring some home when I'm coming back from interstate, it makes my suitcase smell very strongly. People can sort of smell it as the bag's coming off the conveyor belt. You put it in your suitcase and not in your hand luggage. I do put it in my suitcase because once I did take it in my hand luggage and the looks I got were not very nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I do the same. And it's, I do travel with sausages as well. And I, I think I worked out that you're better off putting them in your um, check-in luggage because it's actually colder in the... Um, yes. The whole, of the, is it the whole of the plane? Or? Yeah, I think you're or right. The whole and of the plane, yeah. Yeah. So it. Uh, and you're right. I've tried with fish and things. You've got to be careful because before you know it, you've got some fishy water that's dripping onto the person next to you. It doesn't go down. Very no. Well. no. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I just love the smell of the Polish sausage with oh, the garlic, yeah. but uh, I know it's not everybody's cup of tea. To keep reminding myself. So you said you you do buy it in Adelaide as well? Yeah, so whenever I'm down there, I will get it from the Adelaide markets. There's a Polish delicatessen at the markets and they have, I think, about four or five different types of sausage. So I always grab one at the start of my visit and indulge in it while I'm there and then grab another one as I'm leaving. And what are your favourite ones? I think the favourite one is um, there's one with garlic, uh, pork and garlic. So a lot of um, a lot of garlic. I think that's the my criteria <laughs> is garlic. And what are some of the variations? Is it the amount of fat or the amount of spices? Yeah. So the spices and the the fat and also whether it's got veal in it, uh, different meats. But but I'm not as familiar with some of the other varieties. I'll have them. But I'm, there's one in particular that I'm that I that, that's my go-to. Mm. Uh, I can tell by its colour. It's sort of like a pinky colour with with pork and lots of garlic. And I think things like allspice and pepper. Okay, so in the Polish pantry, we've got sausages. We've got sausages, <laughs> uh, dill, always bread, uh, okay. like a good rye bread. Mm -hmm. And the nice thing about in Poland is you can get um, when you when you're shopping you can like just get half a loaf of bread or a, a, a quarter of a loaf of bread it can be sold by weight often okay so which like, is great when you're traveling like a farmer's bread or yes yeah, some of them are like the, the they go everything from a light rye to a really heavy heavy dark rye okay so we've got bread we've got rye bread we've got sausages um, radishes are a very common um, staple particularly around breakfast or with sort of in salads radishes are often eaten people used to laugh at me but with a knob of butter and salt oh my gosh really <laughs> so uh radishes and then um there's a polish cheese which is sort of similar to ricotta but it's called Tvarog in Polish, but it's like a, the translation is farmer's cheese and it's very hard to get here. It is similar to a quark, but it's a bit, it's a bit denser and it's used a lot in, in various pierogi recipes or for breakfast. You might have it both savoury and sweet, so you could have it as a on bread with honey or jam or you could have it on bread with tomato. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do, you, do you ever make it yourself? I do, I do. So I'm, I'm a bit funny. Whenever I see uh, organic milk on special, full cream milk on special at any supermarket, particularly if it's short dated, I'll grab it and buy some buttermilk and then that has to sit for a couple of days. You mix the two together and it sits for a couple of days on your bench top and then you sort of cook it slowly. Oh really? So, and, and like when you're making ricotta, you don't get a lot of cheese from that and then you drain it in a cheesecloth. So I absolutely love it when, when I do do it. It's often uh, used, you can put like fresh dill in it mm -hmm. or chop you know, fresh parsley or herbs in it, but it's very versatile. So I'm assuming you've got sauerkraut and cabbage as well in the pantry? Absolutely. <laughs> sauerkraut would be a staple. 
One of the things I do love about um, travelling in Poland is that the corner shops will have these huge vats of sauerkraut or dill pickles that you can just take a few and have them, you know, with your lunch. It's a, it's sort of, you don't have to buy a whole jar. And are most people, do you think, still making sauerkraut at home or generally buying it? I think the older generation would definitely be making it, but like in a lot of cultures, younger people, you know, working long hours, it just would be the furthest thing from their memory mm -hmm. mind is to be doing things like that. Yeah. And potatoes, hey? Oh, potatoes, of course. I can't believe I almost forgot potatoes. So potatoes are a staple in Polish cooking and they're, yeah, it would not it'd be uncommon to have a meal without potatoes. And butter and sour cream? Butter, sour cream, oh, kefir. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so uh, often people drink buttermilk as a um, as a refreshing drink in summer yep is it with salt yes yes yeah yeah beetroot's another one beetroot so you know beetroot soup poland has its own uh, type of borscht both cold in summer and and hot in in winter mm -hmm. so apples and onions as well yes absolutely what about garlic? Garlic, absolutely. Okay. I thought maybe there was no garlic. <laughs> no, I can't believe I forgot garlic. I think that's where my absolute obsession and, and love of garlic comes from. It's just, it's in everything. I don't, I don't really notice it on people, but um, apparently it's, it's, yes, it's very common. Okay, so Joanna, what are you doing there now? So now I'm attempting to fill the pierogi with some filling. So I leave about a two centimetre border around. I pop a couple of teaspoons of filling in the middle. And this, as you pointed out, it is quite dry. And so what I've noticed is the pastry, normally when I make it on the coast, it sticks, but it's not sticking. So yeah. I'm wetting the edge before I seal it and uh, with a bit of water. And you're kind of bending it at the same time to really get that sort of half moon shape. It's very pretty. Yeah, I think uh, some people use forks on the edges uh -huh. to scallop the edges. I'm not quite as... I'm very organic in the way that I cook. So when I do these at Christmas with my sister-in-law, who's just a meticulous and, you know, fantastic cook. She used to be a chef. Hers are always so perfect uh -huh. and beautiful and uh, we always joke, you can tell which ones mine are on the plate. Yeah. Very pretty. So we've got, I'll do one more of these and then I'll, and I'll change to the next lot of filling. I'll be very curious because, of course, until you pop them in the pot, you don't know if they're going to burst. So I'm always waiting to see which of mine are going to burst. And I should say that we've got water boiling here. Is that salted water? No, or? but it is going to be salted. So thank you for uh, reminding me. I'm going to grab some salt from the cupboard. And are these one of your favourite Polish foods? Um, they're my favourite comfort Polish food, absolutely, because they're so... Um, uh, I suppose it's like anything with pasta or, or flour and water. It's sort of like very heavy and and, and comforting. There's a there's a sense of it's my go-to food. Did you did you grow up only eating Polish food in your household? Um, pretty much. Although my mum was a bit of a um, uh, was very interested in health, so she sort of would focus more on the healthier aspect of I suppose Polish uh, Polish cuisine because it can be there can be a lot of fat in it mm -hmm. obviously lots of butter and so Ooh. so we're moving on to a new filling now what's this filling Joe? so this is a, uh, was one in a in a cookbook i found um on new polish cooking and so this is absolutely not a traditional polish one but it's a combination of spinach smoked almonds goat's cheese and a bit of fried onion did you say smoked almonds yeah so yeah so it's feta, smoked uh, goat's, goat's no, cheese. Goat's cheese. Like a soft, goat's curd? Yes, like goat's curd. Like, so goat's curd, smoked almonds, spinach, and what was the fourth ingredient? I think there's fried onions as well, yeah. Okay. Bit of red onion, red onion fried. Yeah, so I have never had this one before, so it'll be interesting to see how it, um, what it's like. Let's 
a little bit much. Because those were you gave me some beautiful cookbooks to have a look at, um, very contemporary Polish cookbooks, and I was um, I was intrigued by the number of pierogi recipes in all of them, but also the, the modern interpretation in some of them was quite interesting. Like there was one with buckwheat and orange. Did you find when you went to Poland that the food you grew up eating in Australia was different to the food that you ate actually in Poland? Uh, there was, there, it was so familiar. It was so familiar. It was very weird because growing up, I don't know why, but as a child, I just thought that was our family. That's what our family ate. And then going to a country and finding that it's in all the restaurants and all the stores um, and what people were eating in their homes and they'd have the same Christmas Eve as we did. I thought that was, I just took me a while to get my head around that. I mean, it sounds so obvious, but of course it was. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was very, very, uh, very familiar. Yeah. As opposed to being sort of unfamiliar for most people or being a minority here in Australia and suddenly you're... Ones 
sank first and now they're rising okay. but it's about uh, four or five minutes after they've risen mm -hmm. so I will pull these in so you cook them all together so you cook them a few at a time as long as there's enough room for them not to stick okay and that's probably as about as many as I do in there anyway but you don't have to have sort of melted butter ready to go to well I have got something I prepared oh. earlier I have got some uh, fried onion and I could actually melt a bit of butter oh and I've got sour cream so I thought we could have the onion on um, particularly with the pierogi which were the ones with the fried onion potato and cheese the farmer's cheese they're, they're traditionally served with sour cream and fried onion and often with bacon but mm -hmm. I haven't done that today so in the Polish kitchen you've got a big pots to be able to boil up your pierogi and slotted spoons slotted spoons and interestingly enough I don't think you need a lot more than um, a chopping board Can you and tell me that story that's yeah so when my mum was getting married which was she got married in her early 20s as a young woman she was very excited to be leaving her parents house and setting up her own kitchen because she loved cooking and she was telling her mother about all the things that she wanted to buy over time, all the kitchen equipment. And her mother just said to her, daughter, all you need in the kitchen is a very good, uh, very good sharp knife and a chopping board. And that story has always stuck with me because when I get carried away with utensils and thinking I need that or I need that, of course they're useful. And of course I have my favourites, but... It always comes back to a good sharp knife and a chopping board. Yeah. We could all take a leaf out of that <laughs> bit of advice, couldn't we? Yes. When I look in my cupboard and look at a lot of the appliances that I do have. But, uh, but I do tend to move things on if I'm not using them. So. Can, and can I just say you've got some really beautiful mixing bowls there? Well, that's um, they were my grandmother's. Oh, wow. So on my father's side... One of the things that I, after she died and we were cleaning things out as you do and um, it was a very complicated time, I was fortunate enough to get her Fowlerware bowls, which I absolutely love. And you'll see a selection of them. There's quite a few in, mostly in this dark red colour. Oh, they're so on. beautiful. But, um, but I, when I use them, I always think of her. So I love that link. And the other thing I got from her kitchen was two chopping boards which oh. I still wow use they're really old of. they're very yeah. old and they're sort of I often think I wish they could tell me the story of all the know, food that's been the food on there that's been, yeah so there's those and there's something else that I, oh and her and some of her wooden spoons that was the other oh, thing wow. that I got from her did you get her rolling pin and her rolling pin <laughs> yeah so it's those connections and I, I think one of the things that I love doing when I'm uh, kneading dough is just thinking of the generations of women that have come before me that have been doing this since day dot, you know, in various forms, both in, not just in uh, uh, my family, but in, you know, women across, across cultures and across generations. There's something really special about kneading. Yeah. I have um, I have mixing bowl envy, Joanna. Looking at those bowls. Oh. <laughs> I should say, I mean, what's really beautiful about them is the the sizes of them, and they've just got a lovely farmware look to them. And you couldn't buy bowls like this now, yeah. or, or for that matter, breadboards like that. Oh, breadboards. They actually remind me of my nonna's those breadboards. Oh, I think I've they? seen them in her kitchen. Yeah. Okay, so they look. Oh wow. So I'm hoping that these are done. So I'm draining, I'm draining them and I'll try and pop two of each type and see if I get this right. I really, there's, there's one that's got a green filling with the spinach so it's very easy to differentiate it. But then the, there are two that are, the colour is very similar so it's a bit harder to tell. They're the very traditional ones that I've got. Yes, the, the traditional ones with the cheese and the potato. So... And the other one with the sauerkraut. What, what are the origins of pierogi? Well, that's, again, there's a lot of contention over that. And the reality is that nobody actually really knows. There is some theory that it came to Poland via 
China with Marco Polo in the 13th century. So it sort of first appeared in Polish cooking around the 13th century. And it didn't appear in Polish literature until the second half of the 17th century when Polish cookbooks started to be printed. Uh, but even though people say that that's where they came from, there's no hard evidence for that. So we don't know is the answer. Oh, I'm so excited. So sorry, so on my so, plate. Uh, what I'm hoping you've got on your plate is two sauerkraut and mushroom, two spinach, goat's cheese and smoked almonds and two of the pierogi ruski, which have the sour, um, the potato and the fried onion and the cheese, ricotta cheese. Mm. And um, can you tell me about this? Is this homemade sour cream? It's not homemade sour oh. cream. <laughs> I've just like transferred it. it into a jar. Sour cream, uh, unfortunately, like a lot of people now, I have high cholesterol, so it's special occasion. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> okay, I'm going to eat and I'm going to turn this off. Bon appétit. So we've just had the the three pierogi, and uh, my favourite was the potato at the top. Yeah. And then the the, the fusion one, the, yeah. the spinach and smoked almonds, and then the sauerkraut one was possibly my. I really liked it. Well, it would have been number three, but I'm coming at it with a really neutral yeah. palate. So what were your what was your favourite? Yeah, I think it's interesting to hear you say that because I just cannot have any neutrality around pierogi at all they're so steeped in memory and story so I think the pierogi ruski the potato and cheese ones are definitely my favorite and I could sit and just eat a whole plate of them and I just love them with lashings of sour cream and uh, fried onion and occasionally with bacon as well but uh, it's interesting that you said that the spinach was your second favourite because it's so, to me, not Polish. Yeah. I just can't marry it with the concept of pierogi. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so the sauerkraut and mushroom one, because it's part of a feast day, uh, it's part of Christmas Eve, although not in the form it is, in a smaller version, um, they're my, that, that would have been my second, okay. yeah. Well, see, I, I think I really like the texture of the yeah. spinach one. I think it's kind of had a little bit more sort of happening there. Well, there's certainly a variety of texture because yeah. it's got the almonds, or oh, the almonds, I always say almonds wrong, <laughs> <laughs> the almonds. Uh, so they've got that, yeah, that crunchy and the smoothness of the cheese and then the, the spinach, yes. Yeah. Which I suppose it's interesting now that you raise texture, I'm not sure that a lot of pierogi fillings are actually anything other than than fairly smooth. They don't really have a lot of texture. Well, no, I actually found, I found the potato one had some interesting texture mm. in it because it wasn't just like a mashed potato in the yeah. middle. It actually had the texture of the, like, like the potato yeah. and then the cheese and oh, the that's onions in there. Yeah, I was surprised because yeah. I think I'd maybe had it with, maybe it just had mashed potato in the middle of it. I thought yours was actually really lovely that it had texture yeah. in it. Yeah. Oh, good. That makes me happy. I'll get some too. Make some for you to take home. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so now we're on to uh, sweet. Yeah, okay. so we can give the sweet ones a go. Um, we'll be having them with sour cream as well. Okay, so um, we can leave the sour cream So we'll leave here. that out um, mm. and we'll see how we go. You're, you've already got your little rounds still rolled out there? I do. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, how funny is that? It's the exact number I need. So what I've, uh, in terms of these fillings, and we'll see whether these is a little bit too, in terms of these fillings, what I've, what one of the traditional ways when uh, fruits are in season, like berries uh, and morello cherries, you would use them as a filling. So I, we don't have morello cherries here that are easily available, so I'm not sh quite sure how this is going to go, but what I'm doing is I've used the bottled ones and I've drained them and I've just sprinkled them with a bit of sugar. Okay. So would you do this with plums as well? Absolutely. So plums, prunes, strawberries. One of the things that I love about being in Poland in, in summer is um, you buy berries by the kilo in at the markets. So you have, like we have big bunches of apples in the supermarket and oranges, I'll have 
bunches of all not bunches but um all the berries will be in piles like and they'll mounds be mounds mounds yes and you and buy them by the kilo and what types of berries well there's all sorts from blueberries to blackberries and there are berries that i don't quite know the equivalent of here because i haven't seen, red currants but you can pick a lot of these berries can you in the countryside yes yeah so um, I haven't done that myself because it's so easy to go to a market and, and, and get them. They're just so delicious and fresh. One of these um, pierogies just had a bit of a, uh, a breakdown, one yeah. could say. <laughs> I rolled it too thin and also the, the filling is too wet. Yeah. So, uh, so Joanna's doing a little bit of patch-up work. So I got some extra dough and uh, this one's just going to... Oh, that's totally... I think it's had it stay but we'll put it in there anyway and see how it goes so I'm not expecting these to be that exciting but mm -hmm. the one after this uh, is a traditional filling for uh, pancakes that are served as a dessert and it, what it is is uh, I've used ricotta again but it's got lemon zest ricotta sultanas and vanilla essence and a little bit of caster sugar and I'll give you a little spoon to taste if I can find a teaspoon. Have to grab a teaspoon. And that's got a couple of egg yolks in it. So, oh, one egg yolk. Ricotta, sultanas, lemon, lemon zest, and, and, sugar. and a bit, a little bit of sugar. Not, not, not and much sugar. Any eggs? Uh, just egg yolk. What type of ricotta? Well, I use the one that you get in the basket. Okay. And I drain it. Mm. Because the texture doesn't taste like ricotta. It's um, yeah. Have you got butter in there or no butter? Okay, very nice. So I'm I'm doing another patchwork oh, oh, oh. with the. Um... It's great that you can get good ricotta here. You know, I think for a long time it was quite hard. I found it hard to get a good quality ricotta, but it is good that you can get them. I'm very grateful because in the absence of being able to get the um, Polish cheese that I love so much, it's an next best thing. It's the next best thing. And it means that I can cook things like this. So do these have uh, a name? They're, well, they're, they're usually called, because um, they're served as pancakes, they're called pancakes with cheese, very original. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but my mum was telling me, because I was asking her about them, because I really love this filling and I love it as a um, filling for pierogi. And she was saying that she had a boyfriend when she was younger and still in Poland and he would love them in pierogi. So her mum used to make this. Oh, sultanas. Did I mention sultanas are in here? Yeah. yeah. Have you had soaked the sultanas? I should have and I didn't. Okay. Uh, that's, um... I just find my sultanas, I don't use them that much and they go so dry yeah. in this climate that yeah. I always have to put them in boiling water first just yeah. to fatten them up. I... I did prepare this mixture early and I was hoping it was going to take some of the uh, moisture from the ricotta yeah. and that that would be enough, but I don't think it is. But even when you're boiling them, they're going to soften up. Yeah, so we'll see how this one this one goes. And, uh, and are these also served around Christmas or on Christmas? No, these ones can be served at any time. So these ones don't have, um, the cherry ones would be served when cherries are in season, yep. but they're not linked, to my knowledge, they're not linked to any particular occasion. So you said that this was normally, this filling's used in pancakes? Yes. So can you tell me about that recipe? So pancakes are, are so you make it like a thin, it's more like a French crepe, mm -hmm. and you then uh, make this filling, uh, and once they're, they're Crepes are cooked. Oh, this one's totally. This is a problem because I um, obviously left the dough on the bench yeah, to dry, and it wasn't of a good Alice idea. Springs. It's multitasking, but not in a good way. So you've got crepes. So crepes, and then you use this filling, and it, I'm not quite sure how to describe it, but it ends up being in a rectangle. You end up making little rectangles. Oh, okay. With, with it, and I could see how that could work. Yeah. And it's served with, you know, often if there's fruit or a dusting of icing sugar. Yummy. So how important are desserts in Polish cooking? Well, I think they, in the, when you have the main meal of the day, you'll often have some sort of dessert at the end of it. But it, it may be a bit of a, um, 
like a, it might be a cake, like a yeast cake, but cakes are more often served separately with tea or coffee. As an afternoon treat? As an treat. afternoon or maybe as an evening supper. And are there lots of cake shops in Poland? Oh, there are cake shops, unbelievable cake shops. It's a very dangerous, they're sort of quite similar to patisseries, but with more of a Polish twist to them. Can you tell me about some of the cakes you recently tasted? Yeah, so my most recent trip. So I'm just going to try putting these in now okay. and we'll see how this goes. I think these are going to be splitting, but we'll give it a go. Putting the dumplings into the water and there the dough is a little bit dried out. So we'll see. You know, one of the things I've started doing when I make homemade phyllo here um, is actually roll it out with olive oil rather than with flour. Oh. Yeah, just um, to stop it from drying out. What a great idea. Yeah. So I've just turned the heat up on that, so we'll see what happens there. So about the same length of time as the yes, savoury pierogi? Yes, same length of time. So once they rise to the top, about four or five minutes, I'll just flick the egg timer. So you mentioned before that you can also fry pierogi, so you would you would boil them and then fry them? or Yes, so they can be reheated to have a different meal experience or uh, you know and reheaded as leftovers or for the that's just a different way they're served so we had them just boiled from the pot but we could have I could have also fried them and served them that way with, with butter with butter <laughs> with butter everything's got to have wow, butter oh it's heaven yeah. it is butter heaven. and flour and potato and onions well yeah. yes so back to the desserts in, and cakes in Poland. Yeah. So I discovered this, um, well, I didn't discover it, but I had never come across this cake. It's a 13-layer cake made of a very, very thin layers with a sort of sour cream filling. And it takes me a couple of days to make. So when I came back to Australia, I found the recipe and I couldn't find one in English. I could only find it in Polish. Because it's it's a very small region of Poland where it's the where it's known. Called. It's called a Mabcinek, and I don't know if I think one of the it, it's a diminutive of the name of Martin, but I don't know if I don't know its history of that particular name. But it is it's a very rich cake. I made it for a friend's birthday, and uh, she was ended up having it because it is so rich. You can only have a little bit at a time. She ended up having it for breakfast because she uh, justified it. There was dairy in it, so it was uh, healthy enough to have. For breakfast. for breakfast. So 13 layers, that's amazing. Yeah, so they're very thin layers. And after you fill it with the sour cream sort of filling, you then weight it down uh -huh. and then put the final uh, final layer on. So what's the actual cake mixture? Uh, it's just, just like a simple sort of sponge type, okay. but without too much rising. But they're very, very thin discs. Yeah. So when you roll them out... Um, oh, so you roll them out. Oh, you roll them out. And they're really, really thin. And are they sweet? They're, they're, it's not savoury, but it's not super sweet. Okay. It's not a super sweet cake. Yeah. So almost like a pastry or... Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. I'm not, actually, I'm not actually sure because by the time it's sort of weighted down, it's changed a lot. Yeah. It just, I remember when I was making the discs, it tasted very sort of cakey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and what about things like chocolate cakes or fruit pies? Chocolate cakes, yes. Um, that they would be, they sort of tend to be quite rich. So not like they're more, the fillings would be very, very rich. And sort of heavier than not like a sponge, but more mm. like a cake, a, a heavier cake. Like a sucker tort. Yes, of yes, yeah. those sorts of things. But with yeah, so the fillings always tend to be, uh, or tend to be heavier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And fruit pies. You were talking about fruit an pies. apple pie before, which sounded really lovely. Yeah. So my mum was always very in demand from my friends for making this particular apple pie, which she can still whip up in a heartbeat, but for some reason, it's always felt so complicated to me. But it's with a... Um, she just uses uh, pineapples from the tin. and But the pastry is like a really rich butter pastry that she needs and then lets rest in the fridge. So it's a very short pastry mm -hmm. um, and always rectangular. 
and always uh, covered in um, when it comes out of the oven with lots of icing sugar. Okay, so pastry on the top and bottom, and pastry and on the top and bottom, squares and squares. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, so this, sometimes that's done with, you know, depending on what fruits are in season, you yeah. might do it with apricots or... But yes, that's certainly been a family a family classic and not one that I've yet picked up. <laughs> so, Okay, they're looking... I think they've held together, Joanna. Ah, uh, this could be a miracle, yeah. There's still, I think, so I'll drain them. There's two of the, the, the cheese filling one and two of the cherry filling one. So I can imagine a lot of the desserts are going to be made with fruits in, in season because there's Absolutely. so many fruits available, yeah. so much fruit. Yeah. And that, I mean, that, you know, traditionally that's one of the things that I really loved about living there was that you really, uh, you really did rely on seasonal because you couldn't get anything else. And what about preserving fruits as well? Are people A lot of that yeah. happens, yeah. Because you've got those long, cold winters. Absolutely. Although they're getting a little bit shorter. <laughs> I do remember being there one winter, it was minus 20. <gasps> that was Celsius? Yes, that was very cold. But the, but the houses are built for it, so it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. Although in the dorm we were in, the, the people that, uh, the caretakers that lived in the basement used to have an illegal still down there making vodka, which the students would buy and they would be making money on the side by selling vodka to the students made illegally. And they got so drunk one day that there was a fire and it caused all the heating to go out in the building. So we had no heating for three weeks. And it wasn't so bad for me because my bedroom room was in the middle of the building but those on the edge actually had ice on the inside of their walls wow. oh it was freezing <laughs> don't put an illegal still in the basement no, of your building no that's the moral of that story <laughs> or at least don't drink if you're doing it <laughs> and and vodka yes vodka is the absolute spirit of poland yes i think it's one of the highest rates of consumption in the world oh really more so than russia uh well i think they're on very close on looks very pretty. Can I just thank you, Joanna, for a wonderful way to spend a, um, a Saturday afternoon? Oh, Rita, it's been such a pleasure. And it's just been so lovely also sharing the stories, but also hearing your perspective on some of the things I'm saying. It's, it's, it's like a double reflection. So thank you. And I, I just feel like I've been to Poland this afternoon without <laughs> actually having to get on a plane or to risk, you know, being infected by um, COVID-19. So I thank you so much for um, allowing me to visit Poland this afternoon. Such a pleasure. Another thank you to Joanna. Well, that's it for Kitchen Radio for this week. Don't forget to tune in each week at 5pm each Friday for another episode of Kitchen Radio. And also don't forget to pop into the community garden tomorrow morning, 9 to 11, Food for Alice, great local produce. Tonight we're going out with a Polish track that I'm going to attempt to pronounce, which is Tosi Dodaji Sit. I can't pronounce the artist. I'm really sorry about that. You've been listening to Kitchen Radio. Good night. <laughs>